Welcome to the Green Feathers Gridiron Podcast, where we tackle the NFL's biggest headlines, break down games, and explore league topics, all through the passionate perspective of a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Get ready for insightful analysis, player spotlights, and more. Whether you bleed green or cheer for another team, I've got your NFL fix right here. So join me. The Green Feathers Gridiron Podcast starts now. Welcome on in, football fans. I am your host, Brian Booth, and this is the Green Feathers Gridiron Podcast. Thank you for joining me for your weekly recap. Uh, Today, we are going to go over the Chiefs versus Jags game from Sunday afternoon, and then we're going to talk about a uh, a look forward to Thursday night football, Giants at the 49ers. All right, Chiefs-Jaguars. This was played in Jacksonville. This was Travis Kelsey's and Chris Jones's first game of the season. Jones signed a new deal. Kelsey got a little bit better, and you could still tell Travis Kelsey was not 100%. Chris Jones, as the announcers had been saying, had been spending a lot of time working out in and around Miami, and it showed. Man, Chris Jones was a beast. Not a lot on the on the stat sheet. He did have a sack and a half and had another tackle for loss, I believe. Uh, we'll go over that a little bit later. But man, even when he wasn't necessarily getting hits or sacks or tackles, he was disruptive the whole game. He was in the backfield. He was causing havoc. He was involved. So even though he didn't have a huge monster of a stat game, his presence was felt, and Chiefs fans should be excited to have him back. I got to say, man, watching this game, especially in the first half, I was surprised at just how sloppy the game was on both sides of the ball for both teams. Both teams had big drops. Calvin Ridley dropped a big pass. Chiefs receivers were dropping passes. Kadarius Toney had a big first quarter, caught a couple of balls, got some extra yards after the catch, after contact even, got some stingy yards after the catch, and refused to go down. So it was nice to see him try and fight back from a terrible game last week. I gotta say, there was a penalty in the first quarter that might have been the funniest penalty I have ever seen. Uh, It was in the first quarter. The Jags are all over Patrick Mahomes. And it was going to be, I I believe the call was going to be a screen pass. And obviously the Jags were all over the play. They were in the backfield. They were about to sack Mahomes. And instead of throwing it to a receiver or a running back, he dumps it off to his left tackle, Donovan Smith, who, all credit to him, caught the ball. Uh, but he kind of just was standing there. <laughs> it was funny. Like he had no one to block and he was just kind of turned around watching the play develop. <laughs> and Mahomes just throws it to him. He catches it. Credit to him. He did catch the ball. But yeah, you can't uh, can't throw the ball to your left tackle on a uh, non-tackle eligible play. I believe he was covered up by at least one or two other people. I don't remember if they had a tight end to that side, but they definitely had a wide out to that side initially. So he was absolutely covered up on the line of scrimmage, so that was illegal touching. But, man, that was a funny penalty to see. 
couple interesting things. There was a series where the Chiefs were on a third and one foot to go to get the first down. They opted not to go for a quarterback sneak. And they decided to, I believe they tried to pass it on this down and, and ended up not getting it. And that actually came back later in the game. The Jaguars had a first and goal after a, I believe it was a pass intended for Calvin Ridley in the end zone. The defender was flagged for P.I. And so they had a first and goal at the one. And instead of trying to go for a quarterback sneak, the Jaguars tried to get cute with their play calling. They rolled Trevor Lawrence out on a naked bootleg to the left. And he ended up taking a big loss. I think he lost three or four yards. A very strange call that I didn't really understand. I mean, even if you don't want to necessarily do a tush-push with your quarterback, I know Kansas City's kind of hesitant to do that. I believe Patrick Mahomes got injured, hurt his knee, like dislocated his patella, if I recall, a couple of years ago on a quarterback sneak. So in Kansas City's circumstances, I kind of understand why they wouldn't necessarily go for it. But why not run it? Do some kind of wildcat with your running back and just let him get a full head of steam and just go. But the Jaguars, well, first of all, they had a couple of, I think, on the the pass that was a PI, I believe it was third down. And then they got three more downs where they tried to pass the ball again. They didn't even try to run the ball in the end zone. Not even one time. And I found that surprising. That as good as a defender as Chris Jones is and some of the other guys on the Chiefs defensive line, the tush push works against them. The Eagles had three rushing touchdowns in the Super Bowl because of Jalen Hurts running the tush push play. Now, I understand Trevor Lawrence and Jalen Hurts are not the same quarterback. I understand the O-line for the Jaguars and the O-line for the Philadelphia Eagles are not the same. That being said, to not even try to run the ball from the one-yard line just seemed very reminiscent of old Doug Peterson with his time with the Eagles. As an Eagles fan, there were many, many times where I just thought Doug Peterson would try to get too cute with his play calling. As wonderful a play as the Philly special was in Super Bowl 52, I think the success of that play in the Super Bowl has caused Doug Peterson to overcomplicate things in his play calling. Now, the announcers were saying that Press Taylor was actually the one calling plays. And if that is the case, I still think the point stands that the Jaguars were getting too cute with their play calling during the game. And Press Taylor was on Doug Peterson's staff in Philadelphia. He was the quarterback's coach for at least a couple of years. So he's learned from Doug Peterson directly how to call plays. So it was just a very, a very strange thing watching Doug Peterson slash Press Taylor call this game. And it just reminded me a lot of old Philadelphia Eagles games where the go-to call would have been a run from the one-yard line. And they chose to put themselves in a more difficult situation. Just a very strange game to watch from that from that point of view. Again, like I said, it was a very sloppy game. The Chiefs had a lot of drops. The Jaguars had a lot of drops. Both teams had a ton of penalties. The Chiefs also had another 12 men on the field penalty. I just could not understand how this game kind of really... It, Jacksonville... 
had they been able to catch a ball either on offense or on defense, should have won this game. The Jaguars had multiple interceptions or what should have been interceptions that were dropped and ended up just being deflected by the defense. And then I believe by the time the end of the game rolls around, I believe there were three instances where the Jaguars were in the red zone and ended up having to to settle for field goals. At one point in the fourth quarter, there was a stat up on the screen that Trevor Lawrence was 0 for 6 passing in the red zone. And then he threw one more pass and it was also incomplete. So 0 for 7 for the game for Trevor Lawrence in the red zone. I know that's kind of the strength of this team. You've got Christian Kirk, you've got Calvin Ridley, but both of those players had instances in the end zone where they even caught the ball but couldn't get two feet down in the end zone. And so I believe that happened three times where what should have been a touchdown was negated because the player couldn't get both feet in. Now, there was, I think, one, maybe two of them where the defender was on was on the the Jaguars receivers pretty pretty solidly and pushed the receivers out of bounds which is a heads up play from the defense like that's what you're taught to do is if the the receiver's up in the air and goes up for the ball if you can't deflect the ball knock the guy out of bounds so that he doesn't get his feet in that's that's totally legal to do very very interesting but it happened 3 times I can't remember in a game multiple touchdowns that were negated because the receivers couldn't get two feet down. Um, More sloppiness, the Chiefs muffed a punt, but then they did turn it on towards the uh, final two minutes in the first half. They started moving the ball. They got a touchdown. Then the Jags come right back, and they get another field goal before the half, so they were only down one by halftime. It was interesting to see Jawan Taylor did get called for an illegal formation penalty, and then he had back-to-back holding calls and got pulled from the game for a little bit. So it seems like the Chiefs were finally starting to hold him accountable for some subpar play. And it was nice to see that the uh, the refs were actually paying attention to where he was lining up. That was definitely an issue from week one. Uh, Zay Jones, I apologize. So going back to the Jaguars, Zay Jones had two touchdowns erased because he couldn't get two feet down. The first, he was pushed out. The second, I don't know if it was just laziness or lack of awareness. I understand he is a rookie. Uh, in college, you only have to get one foot down. But watching the NFL for any period of time, you shouldn't have to be reminded that you have to get two feet down to consider it a catch. And uh, that happened twice to him, and I believe the other one was to Calvin Ridley. Uh, Ridley, I believe, too, was was pushed out of the end zone. Penalties. At one point through the third quarter, the Chiefs had 10 penalties total. It just a very strange, very strange game. Entertaining game. The game was a lot closer than it should have been, but it was definitely one of the sloppier games I have watched in a long time. Like I said, the Jaguars should have won this game. They had multiple touchdowns erased because they couldn't get two feet down, and they had multiple interceptions missed because uh, defenders couldn't come down with the ball. But in the end, it ends up being a pretty low-scoring affair, all things considered. But the Chiefs walk away with the win in Jacksonville. 
with a final score of 17 to 9. Game balls. I'm going to give three game balls out. Isaiah Pacheco had a couple of really big plays where he was able to keep the chains moving and on third downs was able to convert into first downs, especially in the final possession of the game. The Chiefs were in a third and long, and Isaiah Pacheco ran for a first down, was able to keep the chains moving and the clock running. That caused the Jaguars to burn one of their timeouts. Sky Moore also had a big play on the final drive. Also scored a touchdown earlier in the game. And uh, Sky Moore actually converted the final first down that allowed the Chiefs to run out the clock. And as I mentioned, another game ball goes to Chris Jones. One and a half sacks, one, one additional tackle, one pass deflected. And like I said, it just seemed like on every snap, he was in the backfield causing a disruption. So although it wasn't a huge statistical day for Chris Jones, his presence was definitely felt. So game balls to those three, Isaiah Pacheco, Sky Moore, and Chris Jones. All right. So here we are, Thursday night football coming up in a couple of days. We have the Giants heading out to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. This game, really, I expect San Francisco to handle business. I really don't think New York has much of a chance in this game. Granted, anything could happen. These guys are professionals. Something strange could happen, and New York might surprise us. But I expect San Francisco to easily handle the Giants this coming week, even on a short week. San Francisco, in its first two games this year, has scored an even 30 points in each game. New York, on the other hand, through two games, has allowed 68 points. That's an average of 34 per game. Not looking good for the Giants' defense. For New York to win, I think what they will need to do is they're going to have to win both the time of possession battle and the turnover margin battle. And really what they're going to need to do is Saquon's got to have a big, efficient game. He's got to be able to effectively run the ball. So far this season, Saquon has not had a great showing, only 114 total yards, an average of 57 per game. He does have one rushing touchdown, zero runs for over 20 yards. His long for the season so far is only 18 yards. So he's got to have a big game. He's got to keep the ball away from Brock Purdy and all those weapons in San Francisco. Where they might be able, where the Giants might be able to make up a difference here is Brock Purdy through two games does have three fumbles. He's only lost one, but he has fumbled three times. So if Kayvon Thibodeau and the Giants' defensive front can get to Brock Purdy, which is easier said than done with Trent Williams and that offensive line, if they can get to Brock Purdy and can make him fumble, they can possibly get one to two turnovers and potentially get a couple extra points on the board. I think that's going to be key for New York to even have a prayer in this game. Daniel Jones also cannot afford to have another slow start to this game. Last week, the Giants were down big against the Cardinals, one of the worst teams in the league. And luckily, he was able to come out and have a monster second half. 
passed for over 250 yards, rushed for over 50 yards, and was able to get some points on the board. I think they ended up winning the game 31-28, to if I'm recalling correctly. But the Giants cannot afford to go down multiple scores against this team. The San Francisco 49ers are just too complete of a team on both sides of the ball in order for them to have to play catch up. And Daniel Jones is not as efficient of a passer or as an effective of a passer, especially when playing from behind. He can run, he can make some plays with his feet, so that will be important. But San Francisco's defense is no joke. Javon Hargrave, he was a pro bowler last year. He had, I think, 11 sacks, 11 or 12 sacks for the Eagles last year. Fred Warner is also a beast. He's going to be in coverage. He's going to be making a lot of plays, and they, they've got to keep up. So in order for New York to win, they're going to have to be able to efficiently keep the ball away from San Francisco by running the ball and making sure to not throw interceptions. So far this season, Daniel Jones already has three picks through two games. He's actually got three picks to two touchdowns, so he's a little uh, underwater there. So if he's going to have any chance of beating the 49ers, he's got to turn that around. Honestly, I think San Francisco should win this game fairly easily, and obviously that's going to be subjective. But for San Francisco to win, they really just got to play to their strengths, play hard-nosed, tough defense, and be efficient with the offense. Brock Purdy has two touchdowns, no interceptions. He has passed for 426 yards through two games, so not mind-shattering numbers here, but his uh, his overall quarterback rating is 102.8. So he's had two solid games. Granted, this past week, He didn't pass for any touchdowns, but the 49ers rushed for three, including one from Purdy himself. So it should be a very simple game plan. Christian McCaffrey is leading the league in rushing. He has 268 total rushing yards through two games. The next closest rusher only has 180 yards and that is B. John Robinson. And I say only 80 yards. That's still 90 yards per game, which is no slouch for sure. But yeah, Christian McCaffrey, 268 rushing yards through two games, has two 40-yard-plus runs. His long for the season is 65. So he's definitely one of those home run hitters for the San Francisco 49ers. Would also expect both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel to be fairly involved and see significant targets during the game. Both of them also have 11 catches each on the season so far, so they should be very involved in this game plan. And I I predict the 49ers to win 35-17 on Thursday night. What are your thoughts? What do you think will come out of this game on Thursday? Let me know. Let's uh, connect on Facebook. We do have our Facebook group, Green Feathers Gridiron Podcast. You do need to answer some questions when you join the group. Uh, Just a few, and it's very simple. It's mostly like, let me know who your favorite football team is. There are a few rules you'll need to follow. Mostly, don't be a jerk. Be nice to everyone. Smack talk is allowed, but let's keep it within reason. Uh, Join me over there. Would love to hear your thoughts. 
And you can also feel free to reach out to me at greenfeathersgridiron at gmail.com. Would love to hear your feedback or if you have any questions. We are also looking for guests to come on and uh, preview future games. So if you are a fan of any particular team that the Eagles will be playing this year, let's uh, let's connect and let's, let's uh, have a conversation. I want to extend my heartfelt gratitude to all you passionate football fans for joining me on the Green Feathers Gridiron podcast. Your support and enthusiasm drive me to keep bringing you the best of NFL analysis and spirited discussions. A special thank you goes out to Josh Hansen, Spencer Myers, and KP Brown. If you've enjoyed our deep dives into the NFL action and headlines, please take a moment to show your love by rating and subscribing to the Green Feathers Gridiron podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. Your feedback and subscriptions mean the world to me. But wait, don't keep this podcast gold all to yourself. Share it with your friends and fellow football fans who crave the same insightful conversations that you do. Together, we can build a community of fans that live and breathe the NFL. So as we wrap up this episode, remember to rate, subscribe, and share. Your involvement is key to helping this podcast reach even more fans like you. And until next time, I will see you on the road to victory.